Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. We are prepping for the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. I'm Cameron, and we got the granddaddy of them all in Ryan. Oh, <laughs> way to start it off. What's Old up, man joke. <laughs> <laughs> you got any hard candy in your pocket, Ryan? He's <laughs> got something else. <laughs> and we got Scott. What is up? I'm glad I'm I'm glad to bring some youth to the show, you know? <laughs> oh boy. So speaking of youth, we have a special guest on this episode. We'll see how it goes. We've got Zach. Zach, what is going on? Uh good. Can't wait for you Todd to go to the Rose Bowl for their first time. We got Zach, an eight-year-old Utah fan, hanging out with us as we're talking Utes, Ohio State. I'm ready for him to take over your job, Cam. Oh. <laughs> I'm ready, too. Oh, yeah, buddy. I gotta, be, I gotta be careful. I gotta be careful. <laughs> you just need to learn how to edit, Zach, and it's all yours. Can't wait to be the boss. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was the boss. Oh, yeah. I wish I was the boss here. Scott always does what he wants to do. <laughs> well, you 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 are the boss, but I just don't care what the boss has to say. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> All right. Holy smokes. We are just days away from the Rose Bowl. You guys. Yeah, buddy. I, I can't. It still hasn't hit me that Utah is playing in of the Rose Bowl. This is crazy. It's fantastic. I don't know that it's probably hit me either because with all that's going around going on around the holidays and different stuff, but uh, I am so excited to leave this wintry weather and go to sunny Southern California this weekend. And let's, let's pray to the gods above that uh, um, this game does not get canceled. So help me. Oh man, <laughs> the, these next five days are just going to be painful. It so far it's been rough. There's been a couple games that have been canceled, bowl games that is. A couple teams have pulled out. Uh, I saw this afternoon on Monday afternoon, Boise pulled out. Um, who else was it? Miami. BYU should have pulled out. Well, they pretty much did. It's true. Well, hopefully Utah. Win the Rose Bowl and like just their first time going to the Rose Bowl and win it. Yeah, buddy. I'm I'm on board with Zach. I'm telling you, this uh, historic game coming up. Oh, and I think that's kind of the difference right now between Utah and Ohio State. 
Um, and we are going to be talking uh, with Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts247. Uh, so really want to get his perspective on, on what the vibe is with this Ohio State team. Uh, but from a fan base, it, it seems like Utah fans are ecstatic, right? Uh, I saw something online today on Twitter that they're anticipating 60,000 plus Utah fans um, at the game. Ohio State fans aren't looking like they're going to be traveling. Ohio State sent 7,000 tickets back to their ticket Ooh. office. And, and we know Ooh. well, and we know that Utah fans were buying Ohio State tickets because they opened theirs up to the public. They didn't hold them off for donors like what Utah did. So there's a lot of Utah fans buying Ohio State tickets the day that they came available and they still sent 7,000 back to the Rose Bowl. Uh, so I think just just looking at that, Utah's excited for this. Ohio State maybe not because they had that 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 playoff in in taste in their mouth and didn't get it. Oh boo hoo! When when the Rose Bowl is not is not exciting to you when it's something that you can't get up for, don't want to play in, then you know what? You got a problem. I know the playoffs where it's at right now, and there's there's a handful of teams, and Ohio State is one of those teams that wants to be and expects to be in the playoff every year. But I guess you should have beat Michigan. And this fan base, you know, they don't they don't view Utah as some big sexy name and I get it, right? We're uh, we're not some power that has been around for decades. And uh but you you factor all this in, their fans aren't that excited, they're not buying tickets, they're not going to be coming out. I love it, man. I, I love it even more so because we're just going to take over the Rose Bowl and it is going to be it is going to be such an awesome environment for Utah. Yeah, Utah's who cheers for Utah, they're just dying for them to win the Rose Bowl. I'm dying. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life, Zach. Like I wish they were playing against a better, like a more challenging team a more challenging team than ohio state <laughs> yeah. like michigan zach's already be got, a good test zach's already got the the smack top down <laughs> he's got some bolton board material for him uh, but if you i mean if you look at the teams uh, and maybe this is a an indication as you look at all the guys that have announced that are leaving uh for utah you got nick ford tj pledger Mika Tafua, Devin Lloyd, Covey, Fotheringham, uh, Nephi Sewell. They're leaving, but they're going to play in this game. And then you look at Ohio State, guys that have announced on their side, and their two leading wide receivers and Wilson Lavi are opting out uh, and getting ready for the draft rather than playing in the, in the Rose Bowl. So I think even just that is telling of, of where the mentality is for, for these two programs. I'm hoping Utah will be better than last bowl because they got killed against Texas. They did. They did. Yes, and, they did. And, and maybe o- does Ohio State have that where Utah was let down to go to the Alamo Bowl? Yeah, maybe they didn't want to beat there. I think. Well, I think there's. I think there's no. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You know, Ohio State. They're saying all the right things right now. They want to be in this game. And and they're prepared. They're, they're gonna. We're gonna get their best effort. Um, but just psychologically, right? All a lot of their stars are are gonna sit out this game. They didn't want to be in this game, so it, 
it is interesting to kind of see what they come out with, what type of urgency they're playing with and, and how serious they're taking this, this, uh, this game. One thing I noticed today, both Ohio state and Utah are in Disneyland today and Utah is sporting their Rose bowl gear all over the place. Ohio state's not sporting anything Rose bowl. Related. I didn't see that. They're I mean, I really that. It's it's all just their Ohio State gear, you know. So for them, right, it's just kind of another game. They've been to this game seventeen times. It wasn't what their it, it wasn't their end goal. Whereas on our our end, Utah could not be more thrilled to be in this game. It's giving Utah is giving is giving this their best effort, all of their attention, in their game plan, in their prep to to win this football game and obviously you're seeing that from the fan support that's going to be down there i'm telling you it's uh, i i get where ohio state's coming from um and and this this will not be a walk in the park just because of how talented these guys are and and these wide receivers and these 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 uh, stars that are going to be sitting out for ohio state you, you have to keep in mind that these their their backups are four and five star recruits themselves they may not have the experience, obviously, but they're they're talented kids, and so you know Utah still gonna have to put a put a really good effort together. But I'm telling you, things are trending in Utah's favor dramatically right now. I I, uh, I find it interesting though that uh, you know they, you say that they've been there 17 times, and I guess from a fan base perspective, it I guess in some sense it becomes kind of. Oh, here we go to the Rose Bowl again. But but when you look at these players who go to Ohio State or go to Michigan or go to They Iowa, haven't been 17 times. Yeah, these guys, this 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 should be a big deal to them. And I, I know their goal was the playoffs. And this is what's kind of disappointing. I think this four-team playoff is is actually ruining college football to a certain extent. Oh, it's, these, it's ruined post game, postseason football for yeah, college. These, these bowl games that have been around forever that used to be, you know, just okay. the end all be all of what you, you know, what you're playing for at the end of the year. And now it's like, well, if we didn't make those four final four teams, what's the point of making the trip? It's kind of what it feels like. Utah just had their eyes on winning the Rose Bowl, like they just can't wait. And I, I, every team should have that mindset, though. Like Utah, and I get it. This is Utah's first trip to the Rose Bowl from a fan base uh, and from a season that was just decimated by um, the death of two players and what they're playing for. I mean, their 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 eyes are on this goal, and and I think that adds to it for Utah. But this almost the same mentality should be for any other school that's playing in it. It's just sad that it's not. Well, and, and and Ryan, you just mentioned you know postseason play and bowl games and 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 what the playoff has done to every other bowl game. And you know m- my hot take, and maybe it's not even that hot anymore. But ultimately, you're seeing you're seeing all these teams right now opt out due to COVID of these lower tier bowl games. And in my opinion, 
I think a lot of these opt-outs are simply due to the fact that these guys don't want to go through the motions. They don't care about the game and they don't want to go through the process of preparing and playing in it and traveling. And I think, I think COVID is a, is a convenient out right now for a lot of programs. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're not having some, some positive tests come through, but to the extent where they, they're not able to play a game seems silly to me that, literally no team had an issue from August until now playing the game. And now all of a sudden everybody's just bailing. It, it seems, it seems a little, a little weird to me. And obviously you can factor in, you know, we're still testing vaccinated players and, and how that's just, uh, the, the system is just not set up to, you know, successfully allow these guys to keep moving forward. But but what I think needs to happen, and I know we're going off the rails on this, you got to scrap the 14 playoff and you got to go to a big old playoff. You got to get a lot more teams involved in the playoff here because the bowl system is dying. Nobody goes to games anymore. There's no support unless it's a New Year's Six Bowl game or a playoff game. The yep. system's broken. I mean, it definitely is. And they, they floated the idea, right, of a 16 team playoff. Um, and if I remember, didn't they vote that they will expand, but they haven't landed on how many teams? Is that right? Yes. Yes. And, and so, yeah, that, I mean, everything you're saying, I agree with, um, all these bowls, the Arizona bowl where it's only on YouTube, like, <laughs> and you wonder why Boise wants to opt out of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's no fun for any, I mean. I can see that to a certain extent. And I think the, the bowl season, which has been talked about for years, it has become watered down because really, I mean, you have to go six and six to go to postseason play. And a lot of teams, <laughs> a lot of teams make that mark. Um, and it, it, but the, I guess my point is go, just going back to the, these bigger games like the Rose Bowl, just that, sh that should be a big deal. And it, it's too bad that it's it's trending in a way that isn't a big deal. I, if they do trend it towards, uh, so obviously you can't go as big as the NCAA basketball tournament. But if, it, if you got to 16, um, I, I think that's definitely a step in the right direction where uh, you include these bigger bowl games and you you know, you more teams have something to play for at the end of the year. All right. So we are up against a break. That's kind of, you know, our, our thoughts where we're sitting as we're just a few days away uh, from the bowl game. Uh, when we come back, you know, there's been some announcements, some awards given out. We haven't talked about it as a group yet. Uh, so when we come back from break, let's hit that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so there's been a lot of news. Um, as I mentioned earlier, guys that are leaving but are are staying. 
Uh, but I think kind of the, the the bigger news you could say is is a couple of tight ends that have decided that they will come back for another year. Uh, Brant Keithy, Dalton Kincaid, both announced that they're coming back for one more year. Uh, you know, we kind of got wind of of the Keithy might be leaning towards coming back a couple weeks ago. Uh, so it was great to, to see that news come through. Kincaid, I was I was surprised. Um, but this is big. Uh, with Utah returning what they can on defense and then keeping these stars on offense, I think the future will continue to be bright for this program. Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, it's unfortunately uh, I'm kind of a downer for every tight end that we just recruited that just transferred <laughs> in and that was looking for an opportunity to play next year because Keithy and King and Kincaid, Coming back is going to squash a lot of reps for those guys, but uh, but no, I mean one more will have to step up though. They're they're going to stick with the three tight end look. Oh, for sure, and 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 you're going to have you're going to have opportunities, and and you never know with injuries and things that ultimately can happen. But that just sets this team up for an a, a run that might dwarf what what's taken place this year, right? is you got Cam Rising coming back. Hopefully you have Tavion coming back. You have two tight ends. You've got, obviously you're still losing some guys on the offensive line that you've got to replace. Um, But the core and the star power on this team is, is, is right there. Again, with a young defense, if Utah can win on Saturday, they're probably going to end this season around top five and with what they have coming back, they probably will start next season inside the top 10. And the first game out of the, out of the gates is at Florida, which gives this team a huge opportunity to be inside, you know, top 10, top five early next season, which just sets them up for a playoff run. Exactly. If, If you want to do make a run for the playoffs, that's what you need to do. Is is what they're doing this year to continue into next year, uh, kind of get those two seasons back to back to really get a team like Utah into the playoffs. Yeah, like we have seven guys leaving, but only two guys staying in. Yeah, so the guys that are leaving, right? Nick Ford, T.J. Pledger, Mika Tafua, Devin Lloyd, uh, Brenton Covey, uh, Cole Fotheringham, and Nephi Sewell. You know, those are are, are big big names. Um, linebackers are, are, that's going to be a big hit to that core losing Lloyd and Sewell. That is big to lose those two guys. Cause I mean, one of them was, I mean, obviously a first team pack 12 and almost unanimous all American. Um, it, so yeah, it, it's huge to lose both of those guys. So there's going to be some guys that have got to step up. Obviously there's some guys that, uh, played in some key moments uh, during the season, like Karenny Reed got some good reps. Um, yeah, Fury got some reps. Um, you know, there's been talk that uh, Cole Bishop might move to linebacker too. Um, so it, he seems like a guy that can just, just walk into a position and figure it out and play. Can we just, yeah. can we just say how awesome Cole Bishop is that the dude was injured at the beginning of the year but still as a true freshman made an honorable mention of all pack 12 and really only played the second half of the season. 
No, I mean, he, and he was he was phenomenal, and and he's he's gonna have to be uh, on Saturday, but but yeah, I mean, there's the potential he could slide into that uh, into that linebacker position, but I think you know, Lander Barton's, you know, I, I think he's going to be given every opportunity to earn one of those, uh, one of those uh, starting linebacker positions. Um, you you got another guy who just signed in this class, heralded recruit, um, kind of a last minute flip from Miami um, in Justin Medlock. Um, not to mention what you got, what you already have in the program. And, uh, and, you know, last year you, you brought in some huge linebacking recruits into Fuga and and the Calvert brothers, um, obviously, there's rumors. There's been injuries there, so we don't know necessarily the future and where that where where that puts both of them. But there's guys that, that are highly recruited with the ability to step in there. My only concern with the linebacker position next year is we hear we often hear how difficult it is to learn to play linebacker in this defense. So relying on one or even potentially two true freshmen could make for a rough start to next year. Um, so I would love to maybe see, um, you know, if Cole Bishop could slide into that. Now, granted, that's still new to him, but it might be a little easier learning curve having knowing the off or the defense and how it all works. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a concern. Which is which is going to prove why that that defensive line is going to have to be really good next year. But I think I mean you're absolutely right. I think it's a concern. But look at look at what we heard prior to this season about this defense, and look how they started the season, and then look where they are now. I mean, the coaching staff on this defense is phenomenal. That continues to prepare these guys and and get them ready week in and week out, and they and they've just exponentially gotten better every week. Uh, and then the other thing I, I want to throw in there is, you know, we're talking about the guys that, that have declared for the NFL draft that are leaving. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we, after the bowl game, if we hear a couple names that enter the transfer portal, uh, this is a oh, young, sure. this is a young team guys. And, and, it is it is so young that there are guys that want to get reps that can't break the depth chart here, or they're the the second team and they, and they want to be in that first team slot. And and so I think even after the bowl game, we're going to hear some names of team of guys entering the portal that this coaching staff is going to have to adjust for, whether it's the oh. guys that they've signed or going out to the portal themselves. Oh, most definitely. I, I think there's without a doubt there's going to be, and I, I'll bet you there's some head scratchers, some guys that, um, you know, maybe we're counting it on for next year um, or we think would have a good opportunity to, to receive significant time that may, may leave. Um, but with that being said, that also allows the opportunity for Kyle to go out and find other transfers to come in and that can contribute from day one. So, you know, the transfer portal has been huge to Utah and it's been really nothing but a benefit. You know, they have lost some guys over the years, um, but they really they've always gained more than they've lost through it so far. And, you know, obviously you, you hope that that's the, the trend that continues moving forward. Um, but there's going to regardless, there's going to be some growing pains in certain positions. But next year is set up to be uh, to, to give this uh, this program an opportunity to really capitalize on this year. All right. We had, you know, the PAC 12 announced, uh, the players of the year and the first second, second teams. 
Uh, Devin Lloyd, uh, Sky called that out. Devin Lloyd was Defensive Player of the Year. Freshman Defensive Player of the Year, Junior Tafuna. I was I was actually pretty surprised with that. Not that he's not yeah, deserving. I just was surprised. Same. Well, especially, again, because he, he didn't even really see reps until, uh, you know, maybe uh, week three, week four of the season. And then... Uh, and then just just took over the position from there. Uh, and coach of the year, Kyle Winningham, no surprise there. Uh, first team. Scott, has, Scott, have you started uh, sculpting the statue? Yeah, how, how's your yep. statue coming? Yeah, we've got uh, we've got the lower body finished. Oh, the calves uh, are done, huh? Oh, the calves are done. Yeah, it, it took. Uh, I'm I'm actually waiting on uh, more uh, more materials because the calves took up took up everything I had. <laughs> Um, it didn't, it didn't leave a lot for the thighs. And so, uh, you know, we, I had to get creative, but yeah, we got, uh, we're, uh, we're moving right along. It's just, it's, it's, it's finishing that final pose it's still to be determined on, on this statue. <laughs> I, I think the pose should be him pointing to the heavens after the Pac-12 win. That's what I said. That, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming around on that. I'm coming around. I, I do. I do like that. That was kind of a, a pivotal moment in Kyle's career right there. Uh, for the first team, all Pac-12 for the Utes, Cam Rising, Tavion Thomas, Nick Ford, Mika Tafua, Devin Lloyd, Brent Covey um, as a returner there. Second team, uh, I think some, some surprises here, Brent Keithy, uh, Bam, Bam Bam Tunacan made second team. Good for him. Uh, Braden Daniels, a, Clark Phillips. He came a long ways. He did come a long way. And again, Scott, who was calling for Harding's head, a couple games oh into the season, <laughs> and it was only Scott. The rest of it us was were all on only board. Scott. Yeah. Only Scott. You know what? What I am what I am excited for is battle line play to start next year. You know it's you know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I have to agree with you on that. Thanks. See, Zach's in my corner. Jeez, oh, don't don't let it go to your head. Yeah, Zach, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> <laughs> that we're always on the winning side. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> like they've come on a long ways. Like it was like once they fa- once they faced USC, that's when they started to expand with wins. Like they've won ten games and they've only lost three. Like it's just amazing. It really was amazing that turnaround of the season, right? Because we all were all sitting around the table. After that San Diego State game, one and one and two, thinking this season's over. Like, what can they do? Can they even compete to be bowl eligible? And for them to turn around and be in the Rose Bowl. Well, then, you know, right after that San Diego State game was the first home game for the conference play against Washington State. And we were literally two minutes away from being 0-1 in conference play. They yeah. they won that game in the final two minutes and then just went on this run. Like for some reason, after the San Diego game, they didn't let that stop them. They started just get better. Like they started to practice more, started to get more plays, more catches, more touchdowns. Just and. Like their offense and defense, it was just amazing at the USC game. It was, and guess what, Zach? I was there to witness it in person. It's all, it's all Ryan. Ryan was the one who kicked <laughs> this season off. 
<laughs> and now it's headed to the Rose Bowl. All right, so that's kind of what's going on as as far as awards and 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 whatnot for the league. Uh, you know, we are going to be talking with Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts Two Forty Seven, kind of get his insight and knowledge on this Ohio State team. Uh, but before we go in in into that interview and talk to him, really curious where your guys' thoughts are, how Utah matches up to this Ohio State team because they can freaking throw the ball all over the place. Their quarterback. Uh, C.J. Stroud, who Utah was on early on in his high school career. Utah was recruiting him. He's a phenomenal quarterback. I mean, their offense is phenomenal. Um, for whatever reason, they weren't able to produce that against Michigan. I think that Michigan's defense probably had had a part in that, but uh, but they've got weapons all over the field, and I think that's probably what scares me the most is their wide receivers against our depleted defensive backfield um we're obviously going to be down another guy i don't even think they we've talked or that the coaches have alluded to who's going to play zamaya bond's place so i think that's that's probably has me the most worried on the other side of the ball i really think that this utah offense can move the ball and put points on the board though Offensively, I mean, they're, 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 the, they're the top scoring offense in the country, so they're going to they're going to provide a big threat, especially when you factor, you know, our, our, our two biggest games were against Oregon late in the year um, when we were basically preparing for a, a rushing attack and and going up against a corner, a quarterback who was not very good. Now, you're, now you're dealing with a, an offense that can run the ball very effectively, got a great great running back and and multiple running backs who can hit the home run and then it's just as ryan mentioned it's those wide receivers obviously you know if you if you've watched any games this year you see what they're able to do now you know chris olave's gonna be uh, he's not gonna be playing in this game neither is garrett wilson so their top two guys um will not be playing but jackson smith and najiba He's right there with those guys. He's only a sophomore. And I mean, some of the catches that he made alone in that Michigan game were, were insane. So right, right off the top of, uh, of the, right off the top of my head, it's going to be a battle between him and Phillips because he's their best guy. That's going to be playing. Phillips is going to be locked up on him. I think exclusively throughout the night. And then it's going to be interesting from there. What do we see on the other side? Is it uh, is it Kane Savage? Do we do we move Malone Matteelli out to out to the end, or do we keep him in the slot? There's going to be some interesting shuffling, I think that uh, that Morgan's going to be doing um, throughout this game to kind of offset this receiving core because Stroud is he is a phenomenal passer, and he's and he's really good with the deep ball. So that's going to be the key is is eliminating Ohio State's ability to get quick quick scores or big plays through the passing game. Well, and I, and I think first and foremost, you got to get pressure on Stroud. You can't let yeah, allow yeah. him to be comfortable in that pocket. Uh, and, and I think that will come in with uh, with with Scally. Is it was what kind of design exotic blitzes can he come up with? Uh, you know, we've seen them where. He, you know, using Lloyd almost as a decoy in that blitz to get someone else up and around uh, in the inside. It's, it's those types of things I think Scally's going to have to develop 
and these guys will execute in order to get that type of pressure. Because guys, this is a this is a dang good team. I know we've talked about that, Scott. You mentioned the highest scoring team in the country. They they have over 550 yards of offense a game. Like in comparison, that's over a hundred yards more than what Utah does. A hundred more yards. They nearly have three wide receivers with a thousand receiving yards. I mean, that's insane in and of itself. That just tells you what they're doing through the passing game and what they're capable of. And and you're right. I mean, you're gonna have to basically duplicate what Michigan did. Offensively, you're gonna have to to run the ball and you're going to have to be effective running the ball to keep possession, to drain clock and limit the amount of times Ohio State's offense is on the field. And then when they are, you've got to get to the quarterback. You've got to take some chances. You're going to have to bring pressures um, to get the ball out of his hand and do it quickly before, uh, you know, he can go down the field and, and really break your back with those, with those long, long pass plays. So, I mean, obviously, you know, it's easier said than done and, and, and we'll see what Scally comes up with, whether, you know, we see some three safety sets um, to offset maybe what we're looking at cornerback wise, but uh, they're good. They're going to have to, they're going to have to put together kind of a circus defense, I think. To, to slow this, to slow this uh, offense down from Ohio State. And so I think Utah's going to have to play a complete game if they want to compete and have a shot against Ohio State. They can't allow a blocked punt at all uh, in this game. And you guys, I almost think Utah needs a score, either defense or special teams. As much as I love Cam Rising and what they're doing offensively, I, I think they need to have a score come from somewhere else to, for them to compete. Well, I, I think that's huge. And, and obviously that's beneficial, but I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not in that boat. I'm, I think what this offense is doing right now and how potent they are between cam rising in the passing game, cam rising and his ability to run, pick up first down um, and, and what he's able to do with his legs on top of what Tavion Thomas and this O-line along with Pledger are doing in the run game, I man, I think we're going to have a field day offensively. I, I do not expect us to have trouble moving the ball. Obviously, when you get in the red zone, that's going to be the critical part. Get in the red zone, you got to score, and you got to score touchdowns. You know, you can't afford a bunch of field goals and stalling in the, in the red zone. I think, but I, I, I really do not think we're going to have trouble moving the ball. Ohio State has had trouble stopping their run all year long. And you saw what Michigan did to them. You saw what Oregon did to them early on in the season. They ran down their throats. So this is a team that we're going to be able to move the ball on. And that's beneficial, too. If, you're, if we're able to run the ball, that just – that keeps time of possession in our favor and keeps their offense off the field. Right. I think right. if and, I think yeah. if you're Ludwig, that's what that's the game plan, right? Is is you want to establish that run early uh, and continue that through the rest of the game and hopefully through that rushing attack you can open up that passing game where you can take shots downfield. You know, kind of get a a vele um open downfield. Let Rising kind of do stuff with his feet. Uh, but I think first and foremost for for Utah they have to establish that run. Okay, but let, let, let's let's go back to the Sugar Bowl. That was an offense led by um, led by Ludwig as well. Utah, with a month to prepare, did some things that were out of their characteristics. Right? 
obviously Ohio State's looking at film. They're seeing what Utah does well. We love 12. We love 13 personnel. We love the tight ends. We love to run the ball. That's their game plan. They're going to they're going to be game planning to slow that down. And with a month to prepare, I'll bet you they're going to be fairly effective. They're not going to shut it down, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to be fairly effective. And in doing so, they're going to have to load the box if they want to stop the run. Yeah. So do we do we do we see something? Does Utah come out offensively with a different mentality and and something that that they haven't shown much this year? like they did in the Sugar Bowl, which just completely threw Alabama into chaos mode and, and ultimately didn't recover because we just marched it down their throats over and over and over again. And and majority of that came through the passing game. And it was not – it was – Matt Asiata did not do a whole lot in the running run game that that day. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see with all this preparation and the game plan that Ludwig puts together – there's going to be some wrinkles, and do we see maybe some up-tempo, some no-huddle early on? Do we, do we go at them through the passing a game to open up the run game for the rest of the rest of the game is what I'm interested to see. Yeah, I think that's very possible. And I, I think you, see, you could see some Jalen Dixon a little more than we've seen this year. Let's hope, let's hope he's got hands. <laughs> I hope Santa brought him a pair of hands for Christmas. I hope Utah does their squat schedule like every game first they they're the first one to start with offense and they're the first one to score a touchdown like i hope they do that like i hope it's a christmas miracle A Christmas miracle, <laughs> but zach i think that's a, a good point is is in these games where utah has wanted the ball first because they have that belief in themselves that they're going to go out and score every time they touch the ball i think that's the mentality they have to have I and mean, we can sit here and we can debate, oh, they have to establish the run first. They have to establish the pass first. You know, they're going to have wrinkles. They're, they're going to have to, you know, a month to prepare for this. At the end of the day, Utah has to come out and literally punch Ohio State in the mouth out of the gate. All right. So that's, you know, kind of our thoughts of what's going on. Uh, well, how, you know, we're kind of looking at this game. We have Patrick Murphy from Buck Nuts um, on the line. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back. I'll have that interview uh, with Patrick. All right, Utah fans, a, a big, big interview surprise. I, I'm looking forward to this. Wanting to know more about the Ohio State Buckeyes and, and who else than to reach out to someone who covers them, who, I mean, even today has been putting out content like no other in L.A., Patrick Murphy from Bucknuts two four seven. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm good. It's been a been a busy day. Got into Los Angeles ahead of our first media events last night, which was Sunday night. I think the days are all kind of blending together. But uh, yeah, they had an event out at Disneyland today to kind of welcome both teams there. And um, now I'm working on some stuff and getting ready before we eat dinner. How did you make it out to Disneyland? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, it's my second time doing this event, and they do like a parade with some of the players and the coaches, and um, and then make uh, I think it's four players from each team and both head coaches available. So a good little kind of kickoff, you know, event to to kind of get things started. That's so. So obviously, this is Utah's first year ever going to the Rose Bowl, so this is all new. 
uh, to this fan base. And so that, that's pretty cool. We, I, you know, leading up to it, there was talks that there was like a trip to Disneyland, but I don't think anyone really knew what was going on until today. Um, so that's pretty fun. Uh, so Ohio state, you know, making their 16th appearance for the Rose bowl. You guys are kind of getting used to it, right? Uh, <laughs> last time you were there 19. Um, and I know Ohio state, they were in the hunt for the playoffs all season long. Right. And it wasn't until the last couple of weeks and, and when they, you know, that loss against Michigan that kind of knocked them out of the playoffs. But with that, what's, what's the kind of the vibe with this team and, and this fan base with going to the Rose Bowl again? Well, I think those are probably two. There's probably two different answers there with the team. I think a lot of guys are, are really excited to be out here. Um, you mentioned it's the 16th Rose Bowl, but I State's only been to the Rose Bowl twice since the start of the century, which was that. 2018 season 2019 game um and then this time so it's been a while for various reasons sometimes it was the the bcs national championship game when ohio state won the big 10 and sometimes they went to the national championship when they would have gone so um it hasn't been as common as as people may think for the buckeyes to get out here so i think there's excitement for the the players that way i also think you mentioned the loss to michigan to end the regular season and they didn't get to go play in the big 10 championship game, which has become almost an annual thing for Ohio state the last few years. And so there's a bad taste in these players mouths and they want to end the season on the right note. They've talked about it a lot these last couple of weeks when we did interviews in Columbus. And then it was brought up again today at Disney, just finishing the season the right way. Um, not ending with back-to-back losses, especially things like that. For the fan base, I think it's definitely feels like a consolation prize. You know, usually Ohio State travels really well fan base wise, and the Buckeyes had to send back seven thousand tickets that went unsold for their allotment. I think it's going to be a very pro Utah crowd. Just a because I think there is some some um, you know kind of lackadaisical feeling about this game among the fan base, but also ticket prices to to fly out here. Uh, to LA were, were crazy expensive. Um, you know, I think people were, were kind of anticipating using that money to uh, a closer playoff semifinal. It would have been Dallas or Miami, obviously, which which would have been much cheaper. So I think a combination of things there. But I do think the fans are kind of looking at this as, you know, it's it's not where we wanted to be. And, you know, I'm hoping from a, from a coverage standpoint that people will uh, kind of get more excited as we get closer. But yeah, I do think there's not nor, not nearly the amount of excitement as even when we were out here just a few years ago. And so that's, I think it's really interesting from a Utah perspective, right? Cause Utah's never been, this is their first year, yeah. first year they've, they've won the PAC 12 first year they're going to the Rose bowl and it it's electric here. Um, and to your point, you know, Pasadena, Southern California, it's a lot easier for folks in Salt Lake to get there. Uh, People drive it all the time. Big Disneyland fans here in the state of Utah. <laughs> so Utah fans are used to driving to California anyway. Uh, and and just having this on top, I think we'll, I, I agree. I, I think it's going to be a very heavy Utah fan based at the game. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear, though, that the, the players are excited for it. Because uh, that's one thing I, I, I have been worried about um, is, is the kind of atmosphere. And if you've got both teams going at it, I think that's exactly what you want. And kind of speaking about the the teams and, and their vibe and playing in this, um, you know, I've been hitting up um, Bucknuts ever since Utah and Ohio State were announced. I'm trying to get myself more familiar with uh, the, the Ohio State team and 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 what they're all about, what their players, um, kind of their standout players and whatnot. 
And and again, you yourself have just been knocking content out. I, I know today, even at Disneyland, there there were stuff coming out that you had on your site. Uh, so that wide receiving group, as Utah fans, we hear it. We've been hearing a lot about it, just how dangerous this team is with the wide receiving groups. You got the three wide receivers that are all thousand yard receivers. It it came out today that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave uh, are opting out for the Rose Bowl. How do you think that's going to impact this Ohio State throwing game? I think it definitely will will play a part. Um, Ohio State was one of, if not the, I don't know where they finished exactly, but top passing teams in the country. You know, these three receivers, and, and you add Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's a sophomore, uh, into to that mix, really made life a lot easier for C.J. Stroud, who's a redshirt freshman. This was his first season starting. And uh, played a little bit last year in, in kind of the short near high state had, but didn't throw a pass, um, didn't do much. So that certainly made it easier to have two guys, especially in, in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, that were experienced, were obviously very talented. So it will definitely, um, you know, I think, take a hit. What I will say is they do still have Jackson Smith and Jigba, who ended up leading the team in both receptions and receiving yards and uh, actually set in uh, the game. I think it was against Nebraska, set the single game record for catches in a game. So he will certainly be someone to keep an eye on. But Ohio State's recruited the wide receiver position really well. And there are some young guys that have just kind of been waiting. Julian Fleming was the top receiver in the recruiting class two years ago. Igmeka Igbuka um, was the top receiver this past year, past recruiting class. So two guys there. And then Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, his father is Marvin Harrison, the Pro Football Hall of Famer for the Indianapolis Colts. So those are three guys that will certainly get a bigger look in this game with, with Wilson and Olave out. Not guys that have played a ton. Julian Fleming has played some. Um has dealt with a shoulder injury that, that limited him. So um, it'll be interesting from, I think, an Ohio State perspective to see kind of the future of these guys. But it definitely will change things in the passing attack, just at the very least to the comfortability that C.J. Stroud has with the receivers that he played with all year, as opposed to uh, two or three new guys kind of stepping into the passing attack. Uh, I, I got to say, it, it, there's there's kind of a joke going around Twitter right now that Ohio State is having four and five star guys opt out only to be replaced by more four and five star guys. So a ton yeah. of death on that Ohio State team. And like what you said, maybe not as experienced, but but definitely talented um depth there. Uh what what are are there other other guys or players that have announced um so far that, that they will be opting out? Yeah, two more and, and this came from head coach Ryan Day today. He's he kind of Garrett Wilson had announced before we talked to him. So he was asked about that. And he said, you know, be without four guys, Garrett, Chris, and then uh, left tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere and defensive tackle, Haskell Garrett, uh, Petit Frere. This is his second season starting the first one at left tackle. He's a, you know, should be, I would think a, a first round, maybe late first round, early second round NFL draft guy. So certainly, um, you know, wants to stay healthy and, and whatnot. Understandable there. Haskell Garrett, this he's started the last two years in the middle of the defensive line, really productive, but battled injuries late in the year. Um, there were a couple games, especially when Ohio State you know, got out to an early lead where he didn't play a lot. And Ryan Day and, and the Ohio State staff are pretty cautious about talking about injuries. We get a status report the day of the game that just says whether guys are available or not. 
So they don't go into much detail, but it was clear that he was dealing with some injuries. So I'm not surprised there that he's, he's not going to play in this one, but both the guys, like I said, were, were key starters throughout the year. Uh, both positions that Ohio State has some decent depth in, not as much as at the wide receiver position, but the offensive line had to deal with some injuries during the year. So they moved some guys around and, and they'll do that again. The defensive line, they won't rotate probably as much as they do. And if they do, it'll be some younger guys stepping in, at least in the interior of the defensive line. Um, but they, they do have guys that have played there outside of him. So I don't think either of those two things will be, those two players will be hugely missed, but certainly, you know, you're talking about guys who started all season and, and that's going to have a, at least some point, some, some portion of an impact. So now kind of focusing the, to the guy that <laughs> throwing the ball to these great wide receivers, uh, CJ Stroud, you know, Utah actually recruited him early on in his high school career. Um, but, you know, obviously as he, you know, flourished in the high school ranks, was getting noticed by, by big time programs, ended up at Ohio State was the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year this year. Obviously, the the guy's a stud, but is like I, I'm being serious with this question: Is there anything that he can't do? Like, do you think there's one thing that maybe Utah will will try to make him uncomfortable with? I think there, well, there are a couple ways that he struggled this year. Um, early on, it was dealing with some pressure, but he seemed to get better with that as the year went on. What I think he ways that teams could get him. And I think this is true about a lot of kind of gunslinging type of quarterbacks. Even you see it with a, with a Patrick Mahomes sometimes in the NFL or guys like that is, and I'm not comparing CJ Stroud to Patrick Mahomes, oh, but yeah, no, the, he's, he's that talented. You, you can, I, it's allowed, but uh, it's, it's when he doesn't have the ability to, to take those deep shots um, when teams kind of sit back a little bit, make them take, make him take the underneath stuff, they're used to, and especially with all three of these receivers, Ohio State hitting on those big plays, getting the ball downfield quick. The offense, you know, gets into the end zone. And at times when teams kind of sat back, he had to take what was underneath. Sometimes he forced some things. He only threw five interceptions, but they kind of came in those situations. One was late against Oregon when Ohio State was down seven, and he forced a pass that he didn't need to. Now that was only his second start, and he, he got better with it, but I still think that that's something. And Ohio State struggled in the red zone, and I think some of that is is to to what I'm saying that you know you get down there, you you don't take those shots, and he's not as used to to playing in in the tighter spaces, um, you know maybe some of that underneath stuff. And again, it, it wasn't always the case. Sometimes he seemed to you know check it down to the running back or or take the the slot receiver underneath things like that. But I do think that was a way that that teams were effective against him. But like you said. I mean, Ohio State's offense, you know, in terms of total offense per game, they were the top team in the country. And a lot of that was the passing attack. So it was very good. But I will also be interested with without two of kind of his security blankets in, in Olave and Wilson. Does that change things a little bit? Is he more cautious about, you know, throwing into tighter windows or things with guys he hasn't thrown to as much in game? So um, I do think there are ways to to kind of mess with him. And I think you can kind of affect where his his eyes are going at times. But um, like you said, he, he had a very good year. I mean, he was a Heisman Trophy finalist for a reason. And, uh, you know, that's that's always tough to stop. No, no, most definitely. And, and you know, when I look at this Ohio State team, you know, obviously the quarterback wide receivers get a lot of love nationally. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think one aspect that doesn't get really talked a lot about is their running game. Uh, Trayvon uh, Henderson, second team, all Pac-12. 
Um, I think he's a tremendous athlete uh, and maybe kind of gets overshadowed a, a little bit because of that passing attack. Uh, but with this Ohio State rushing game, you know, w- what what do they do well? Where do you see that as kind of the, uh, as a weapon that they use in their offense? Trayvon Henderson's a, a ridiculous talent. He was the top running back in, in the 2021 recruiting class. He didn't play his senior year of high school because of COVID stuff in, in his home state in Virginia. Came in in January. You know, I was hearing things from people that were saw practice about what he was doing and, and how talented he was. Didn't start right away, but was was clearly the guy by the third game of the season. Um, you know, he could catch the ball out of the backfield. He can make guys miss. He can turn short short plays into to big gains. He's 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 just he's got all all of it. Uh, the to- total package. The one thing I will say is that Ohio State, and I think this is, if you're going to put a knock on Ryan Day, who's you know been a great guy to step in when, when Urban Meyer left the program, obviously Ohio State's done very well under him. But I think as a former quarterback himself and a quarterback coach, he sometimes relies on the passing game too much, especially in tight games. And I think that there were times when it's like, just give the ball to your, your stud running back and, and let him really get going with it. And, and sometimes he would start getting going and then they would go back to the passing attack when, when in my mind, at least she didn't need to. Um, now I'm not one to, to question coaching decisions all that much. These guys obviously get paid big money to do what they do. Uh, and I just cover it, but I do think that at some point they're going to need to really establish Travion Henderson, um, especially as he continues to, to get better going to next year. And I wonder again, going back to these receivers being out, does Ohio state rely on, you know, a talented young running back um, to to kind of carry things a little bit more in this game. And Trayvon Henderson did deal with some injuries this year, nothing serious, but was banged up, set out some second halves of games when, you know, they didn't need him to be in there. And, and it was, again, they don't talk about injuries very much, but it was like, he was dealing with something. We're not going to go into it. So he's had a month off now to, to get healthy. We talked to him a couple weeks ago in Columbus and he said he was feeling as good as he had since the beginning of the season. So, uh, yeah, he's certainly someone to watch for Utah fans um, from an Ohio State perspective. Maybe a guy that, like you said, has gone under the radar a little bit. I mean, this is a kid that, for me, is going to be three years and done at Ohio State. And I know NFL running backs, the position's kind of been devalued a little bit. But I imagine he's going to be a a high pick. I know coming out of high school, a lot of people I talked to that had seen him play compared him a lot to Saquon Barkley. Um, and, And I think that's, you know, we'll see what he does in his career. But at least early on. I can see why you made that comparison because he can do a lot of those different things that Barkley did when he was at Penn State. Uh, so now kind of shifting over to the defensive side of the ball for Ohio State, uh, you know, Utah loves to run the ball. You know, they have mm-hmm. an, an Ohio native in, in Tavion Thomas. Um, they're, they're big, you know, stud running back. How has Ohio State's rush defense been this year? Have they been able to kind of contain uh, the rushing attack of other teams? It's been good, um, I would say. I mean, the biggest question was coming out of the the Michigan game and, and then get learning that you're going to play Utah from an Ohio State perspective was, you know, how physical can this defense be? And, and that was Michigan's offensive coordinator, Jeff Gaddis, even made a comment on a local radio thing that Ohio State's defense was more of a finesse defense and they were able to to power through them. And those those words got back to Ohio State, let me tell you. And it's been brought up a number of times recently that they want to prove that that's not the case. Uh, Michigan ran all over Ohio State. And I mean, even in the second half, when you knew it was coming, they still couldn't get a stop. 
um, especially on the ground. So I think this is, that's something that Ohio state's looking forward to trying to prove that, you know, Hey, we can, we can play with another, you know, physical rush deep rushing team. Um, you know, we can handle that type of team because they did such a poor job against Michigan. I mean, they were, I, I'm looking at it, the stats here. They were the 19th best rush, rush defense in the country in terms of yards per game. The week before they played Michigan, they played Michigan state who had been very good running the ball, especially with Kenneth Walker. Now Kenneth Walker was a little banged up in that game and, and didn't play much in the second half because the game was out of hand, but really held the Spartans in check. So it's, it's a matter of, you know, was the team that we saw or all, throughout most of the season against maybe some lesser talent in the big 10, the real Ohio state defense, or was it what we saw against Michigan where they just ran right through them? Was Is that the real defense? And I think, I don't really have an answer, and I think the Rose Bowl hopefully will, will help kind of identify that. All right, Patrick, before I let you go, I, I got to put you in the spot here. Do you have a prediction for the game? Do you have a score? I, I'm sure you'll put something up on your site about it, but can you at least give maybe what you expect out of this game between Utah and Ohio State? Yeah, I haven't done a score yet, actually. We were we were talking about that on on the bus on the way over to uh, to disneyland today i think this is going to be a really close game i think it's going to be tight i think as you mentioned earlier utah very excited about being in this game i know the buckeyes have said all the right things and i do think especially some of the young guys getting an opportunity or or a bigger opportunity will be jacked up i do i do wonder though if if ohio state players are are saying the right things but if they'll come out and, and play like this game is as big as a college football playoff semifinal or, uh, you know, an important regular season game, which I think they should, but it's easy to say that. And then you get out there and, you know, you spend a few days in, in Southern California and it's been fun and you just aren't in the same mindset as you would be for, for a playoff game. Um, so I think it's going to be a tight game. I've gone back and forth, you know, and, and I'll probably keep going back and forth throughout the week on, on what I think will happen result wise. But I'll say this, it, it certainly would not surprise me if Utah wins that game. And I don't think it's just because they may be more motivated than Ohio state. I think this is a very good Utah team. Um, you know, I, I watched them closely in the two games they played against Oregon, just because it was a like for like opponent with Ohio state. And I really liked what I saw, obviously that those games went well for, for Utah. So uh, I think it'll be very close. And it, at this point I'm, I'm kind of torn. It, it wouldn't surprise me if either team finds a way to win it. Uh, most definitely. And and really, those, those Oregon games that Utah had were just, as, as a Utah fan, yes. Utah fan base, those, those were the, the two best games uh, for, for, for the Utes. Um, for sure. Patrick, appreciate you coming on. Uh, before I let you go, where can you know Ute fans find you online, find your content? Because I know they're like me. They're going to want to geek out. They want to you know get to know Ohio State a little bit better before the game. Where can they find it? For sure. Yeah, you can uh, you can find our work, me and my, my colleagues. One of my uh, colleagues will get in here later tonight um, at uh, at Buck, Google Bucknuts uh, or Ohio State 247 Sports. Either one of those will work. You'll find it pretty easy. I'm on uh, Twitter at underscore Pat underscore Murphy. It's uh, a common name, so it was hard to find a Twitter handle that uh, I could I could use. So a lot of underscores in that one. Perfect, Patrick. Thank you so much. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. A big thanks to Patrick Murphy from Buck Nuts uh, for, for jumping on, kind of giving us, you know, the perspective of Ohio State, uh, where that program is, and really some interesting things, uh, especially with, you know, how he feels Utah can control 
uh, Stroud and then kind of force him to take those underneath routes, um, I think will be key. And something that we talked about right before we brought him on is Utah, you know, disguising those blitzes, having different blitz packages to make him uncomfortable, make him want to get the ball out sooner than he wants to so he can't hit those home run balls uh, that Ohio State has been doing all season long. When we're up, we're up against a break. When we come back, you know, let's kind of hit on the signing class that Utah had this past month and kind of give our prediction and scores for the Rose Bowl. All right, so the first signing class has come and gone. Utah coming out of the gates, 31st in the country, uh, recruiting class. The biggest thing for me, though, is with all the youth that is already on the team, that they're able to go out and get some absolute studs that are are wanting to come on this team, willing to compete, knowing that their Utah is has a lot of youth already on the field. No, I mean, well, Kyle Whittingham, what you're seeing right now is Kyle Whittingham reaping the rewards for his work here at Utah, right? Utah has is you know, was a nice story early on. And, and over the years, they've just continued to build their brand. And, and the PAC 12 over the last little while has, has seen that. And now you're starting to see that on more of a national level where, or Utah is being recognized as a power in the PAC 12. You saw that this year, right? When they're, when, when national guys are talking about Utah, they name Utah as one of the powers in the Pac-12, along with USC, along with Oregon and Washington. And, and that's because of what Kyle's done and, and where he's brought this program. So now you're seeing on the recruiting side where guys are going, hey, I want to be there. I, that, that staff, that coach, they're always there. They're not leaving. There's, it's not a new coaching staff every three years, right? Where it, most other programs across the country, that's what you're seeing. It's just constant turnover. And, and, and it's just paying dividends with what they're doing um, in the recruiting game right now. Year after year, they just continue to bring in classes that are, are the best in school history. And you saw that again this year. I think for me, the, the biggest thing I'm taking away from this is, is obviously Jalen Glover running back out of Florida who you know Utah's been in love with the fans have been in love with uh, ever since his commitment uh, several months ago uh, but the other big thing is they signed two quarterbacks and you know two Utah, good quarterbacks two good, yeah a, a four star Nate Johnson and a high three star in, in Brandon Rose and, and the thing that I I I love about that is it, it's hard to get a quarterback every single year, right? And, and a high-rated quarterback every single year. But the fact that they were able to get two in the same class is outstanding. And something I think, as Utah fans, we haven't seen. It's even it's even more important now with uh, with Costelli deciding to move on. And so you get a guy, and they're and and they're kind of different style quarterbacks. Brandon Rose is kind of more of a pocket passer. And probably a little bit more of, I would say, a, a polished passer at this point. But what Nate Johnson brings to the table is is going to be fun to watch because he is so athletic and his speed is 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 just next to none at the quarterback position. I mean, he's kind of like a Lamar Jackson type with his athletic ability and his overall speed and what he would able be able to do in this offense. 
um, it really excites me to see kind of what, you know, the potential future would be with both of those guys. But it, it just it just continues to build depth at that quarterback position where you absolutely have to in today's game because quarterbacks are transferring in and out of every program almost annually now and you're not gonna you're not gonna keep most guys four or five years anymore um if they don't win the job they're gonna be looking for opportunities elsewhere i I think the thing that's me most excited about nate johnson is you look at his offer sheets and michigan was right there he he was i had everything online saying that he was leaning towards michigan and utah kind of snuck in there and kind of flipped him uh, but the the fact that he had offers to Michigan, Arizona State, uh, Oregon State, you know these these teams that are on the rise that are I mean Michigan's a playoff team right now, and the fact that Utah is is in their realm competing for quarterbacks is just outstanding to to this program and and to really frankly the, this coaching staff and really Andy Ludwig and what he's doing with this offense. Is there someone in this class that, I mean, you've mentioned, who have we talked about so far today? We've talked about Landar Barton, uh, Justin Medlock, the two quarterbacks. Who, who out of all the guys that I've signed so far are you most excited about? Well, if you're, if you're, if you're limiting it just to a couple of guys, um, I'm telling you, Ryan Peppins is, is a guy that I, as soon as I saw his film, this was prior to his commitment to Utah, I just I was in love with it, man. This this kid is he's played in Alabama, very high uh, level league in Alabama, um, and basically because of his size, kind of got passed over. But uh, when I look at him, he's he's somebody that I think is going to be able to come in and probably play early. He's only five eight. He's small, but he's he's got incredible speed. And he's somebody I think you're going to see um, and you're going to hear hear from pretty soon. So I, lo- I love Ryan Peppins. I love uh, Tao Johnson from uh, another athlete who's going to probably end up at the wide receiver position um, from Idaho. Um, outside of that, I would probably say that the next guy that I'm most excited about is Chase Kennedy. He's an edge rusher, 6'3", out of Dallas, Texas. And he's just an athlete. He's, you know, we've we've really gone um, through the islands as of late for our defensive ends, and obviously we've had tremendous success. But this kid, this kid is, he's, he kind of reminds me, and I think you're gonna, he's gonna fall into the same type of category as, as a Pitta T, a speed rusher, a guy that can grow and just be an absolute threat with his speed off the edge. And so I, I mean, he's a he's a he's a high three star kid but i th- i think he's gonna be uh he's gonna be a force down the road it's got, i totally like where you're going with that i think for me uh chris reed uh wide receiver out of florida uh and i think why i'm i'm, I'm kind of excited about him is it kind of seemed like utah had some wide receivers in in the class that they were looking to sign and and kind of decommitted uh you know as we got closer to signing day um and a lot of that has to do with Utah doesn't throw the ball as much as other programs. Uh, and so the fact that they can get a guy like a Chris Reed, a three-star kid, you know, didn't have a ton of offers. Um, but the fact that... But Florida Florida came on him late and wanted him bad. Exactly. And I, I think that's why I'm so excited about it is, is because what that I think that group, from a recruiting standpoint, looked like it wasn't going to go very well this 
the coaching staff again kind of re- regrouped and kind of looked at who they've been looking at uh, all season long, all year long, um, and went after and, and got Chris Reed. Um, and again, Utah's not known for wide receivers. They're not known as a passing offense. Uh, so the fact that they can go out and kind of get these types of guys in, I think is what gets me excited. No doubt about it. No about it. You know, and it's just, again, this is this has just been a common theme. These recruiting classes just continue to get better and better year after year. So you're just adding quality players to an already existing, um, you know, deep roster. So it's just the future's bright with what this staff's doing right now currently in recruiting. All right, so let's get into our predictions and scores for this game. So Utah's taking on Ohio State Buckeyes in Pasadena. Right now, as we're recording this, the spread's four and a half uh, for Ohio State. I I think it's going to be a close game, uh, but Ryan, uh, let's get your, uh, what's your pick? I am, of course, going to go with Utes in their first Rose Bowl. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think they squeak it out 38-34. Ooh, Ryan, going with nice the Utes. Scoring. I hope Scott picks uh, uh, Ohio State to keep the trend alive. (laughs) Oh, good one, Ryan. Never gets old. Never gets old. (laughs) All right, Scott, where are you going? And just like Ryan, please say you're saying Ohio State. You know what? Obviously... Nothing would be bigger for this program than to come home with a Rose Bowl championship. What that would do for next year's recruiting class, what that does for the Utah brand, the, the confidence level of all these returning players. I mean, it would it would it would be enormous for this program and historic, obviously. Um, and uh, but because of that, because I want this so bad for the Utes, I Cameron, I'm going to take one for the team here, buddy. All right, I'm being a little superstitious here. But uh, as a result of that, and for the benefit of the youths, I'm going to go with the Buckeyes here. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. I'm going to go Buckeyes 37, Utah 34. Wow, 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 wow. Well, thank you, Scott. Zach, who do you think is going to win this game? Utah and Ohio State are pretty close. Close teams because um, Ohio State is like, um, like Utah's only like five teams away from them. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna say Utah win. Uh, seventy-three to zero. Oh baby! Oh baby! Uh, he's like he's like Zach's letting it fly tonight, guys. Oh my God. Uh, Utah. Please just have Ohio State Buckeyes at zero. <laughs> Pitching the, pitch the shutout. Pitch a shutout and, and drop 73 on them. Zach don't care, buddy. Zach don't care about anybody else's picks. He's he's calling a blowout. I'm like not in my house. <laughs> All right. For me, I, I keep on going back and forth in this game. I... I I think it's going to be super close. I honestly do. 
Uh, at the end of the day, though, there's just something special about this team. And we've seen it all season long, what they're all about, what they're fighting for, uh, and just the mentality. And I think it what we talked about earlier in the show, it pays. It's just playing dividends on why these guys that have declared are wanting to play when they easily could just start prepping for the NFL, like so many other people are uh, in college football when it comes to these bowl games. So with that, I, I do think Utah gets this win. I have Utah 31, Ohio State 28. So that will do it for us on this episode. Ryan, where can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. It's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And Scott? Yeah, you can find me in Pasadena in a few days watching the Utes. You can find me at Uteman underscore forever. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Utah Man Podcast at our home, UtahManPodcast.com. And you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. We are there. And Utah fans that are traveling to Pasadena, I hope everyone travels safe and you have a great time. And hopefully Utah gets a win. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be till I die. Kai-yai. Bring home the Rose Bowl, baby. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah. Well, should we continue? I think we should, boss. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, okay. If I'm the boss, um, Cameron is fired. Oh! <laughs> hey, boss, how much are we getting paid this week? Uh, one cent a day. <laughs> I like that. Hey, that's still more than the previous boss. Or, 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 or makes that a... <laughs> Or makes that a thousand dollars. Oh, I like this. I'm better than the old boss. Oh, oh boy. I'm, I'm going to quit my day job now. First of all, I'm not the boss. I don't know where that started. <laughs> or as other food people like to call him, Kim. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay. Whenever this he, is the best episode no, ever. It's not. Whenever he goes to get takeout and says his name, some people say it's Kim. Oh, he says Cam and then they write Kim on the ticket. Yeah. We have a table of four for Kim. Don't worry, you taught men podcast. I am coming back. Oh <laughs> Whatever my dad says. Don't listen to him. I am oh definitely coming back. Okay. Just, just like Kincaid, just like Keithy, Zach is coming back. <laughs>